So it looks like Rock and Russo's on the clock. We're in the 14th round here. I this is just it's killing me. This eight hour clock, it's absurd. It's bananas. It's it's worse than an infinite clock for some reason. It's like they put the eight hour clock on it and you feel like, okay, everybody's got a deadline. They know their they know when their turn's up, everyone's waiting for them. These guys, now you and I we shout out big time to Tojo, Reverse Giraffe, and Casey Sordorican. Kaka! Kaka! Birds of War that are joining us in this fantasy draft. But all these other guys are complete savages and idiots and are taking eight plus hours on all their picks. Oh, it's absolutely absurd. I, I mean, we're in this, so we're in this dynasty league. It's a 16 team dynasty league and it's Hunger Games style. So the four teams that go to the playoffs, there's only one limit, the winner, and the other three die they die we're trying to get the rules changed so the entire team doesn't die because that seems a little draconian seems mm -hmm. a little seems a little, a little too savage a little mm -hmm. too savage uh but that's that's the plan and it's super flex it's 16 teams you know super flex means you want to be starting two quarterbacks but there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the nfl which mm -hmm. means you know you have three of them maybe jimmy garoppolo kind of depends if he yeah. lands as a starter somewhere i have two it's Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a wild format, and I've really really liked it. But it what it's gotten me to think about mostly is when I'm sitting here waiting. So I'm at the end of the round of the draft, right? I'm mm -hmm. 15th out of 16. So yep. when I pick, I it's got to go 15 down and 15 back before I pick again. And this whole time, I'm thinking I got to be drafted. I got to be I got to be getting my hands in more pots. I got to be getting more action because I just can't stand this slow wait. So obviously we've got a really good solution for that. Buddy, let me talk to you about underdog fantasy. We're plugging it again two weeks in a row. Guys, check this out. It's a great experience. If you ever did the draft app, same deal here. You're talking about uh, you're talking about best ball. Let me tell you what best ball is all about. You're going to do a draft. You're going to do a fantasy draft. You can do it with your friends. You can do it with random people. You can do it with anybody. Okay. You put your money in, you do your draft. And when the draft is over, you are done. <laughs> your lineup will automatically give you your highest scoring lineup every week. And at the end of the year, the team that did the best wins the pot, gets the money, second and third place get paid too. sometimes. It's fun. Like you can do drafts. And so for you, Taylor, for me, like I'm in the middle of the draft, I'm getting some good action, you know, like sometimes mm -hmm. my picks come back around pretty quick, but let me tell you the way to run a slow draft is to have so many slow drafts going on at the same time that you're always drafting. And so right now I've got about four or five slow drafts going on in underdog right now, in addition to our dynasty slow draft startup that we're doing. And so I'm just like, I'm picking all the time. Okay. I'm always on the clock. I'm, I'm, I'm drafting, I'm drafting, I'm drafting, I'm drafting. Yeah. That's uh, really conducive to your ADD mind. For it sure. is. And it feels like when you're drafting that constantly, you know, and you've got all that action, it, the off season now speeds up you know, the actual real NFL offseason. And when you're fans of a team like the Chiefs, that's all we want to do is get back to football. Not only that, Taylor, but when you're drafting all the time and you've got skin in the game, you're drafting against other people that have skin in the game, boom. By the time we get to August and I'm doing my startup drafts for my redraft leagues, pfft, you kidding me? I'm going to be so locked in. I literally will have done hundreds of drafts on Underdog by then. You guys can do it too. Use our promo code, Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, you will get a matching deposit bonus up to $100. So if you put in $100 like I did, you get $100 extra dollars for free in your account. That set me up with $200 of seed money. 
that's going to be gone by August. But, you know, I'll probably win some of that back. These initial drafts are a little bit rough. I actually got caught uh, not looking at my notifications, and I ended up doing a fast draft, and I auto-drafted, and I ended up with a team that has one tight end, and it's Trey McBride, who's a, a rookie who hasn't been drafted yet, and four quarterbacks, and four running backs, and 11 wide receivers. Not <laughs> optimal. Not optimal. No. But that's on me. That's on me for not paying attention to the draft app. I loaded it up. I did not look at my notifications, and I got burned by it. You know what? That's $10 that I probably am not going to get back, but I got $180 left, you know, with my drafts. I'm going to get it back. I'm it gonna, was a $10 lesson that you learned, and it is a it is a, another entry into the fray of fantasy drafts. And if you out there would like to support our podcast, if you're a longtime listener and you missed out on our Manscaped sweepstakes and maybe you've gotten all of your uh, DraftKings money all run away, Definitely check out Underdog, and it would help out the pod tremendously. Promo code SUNNY. It's always sunny in Cheese Kingdom. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. Here with me is Taylor Witt. Hello. We're back. We're podcasting again. Uh, after, you know, what felt like six or seven or eight straight weeks of just body blow after body blow of horrible, awful, mostly bad, occasionally slightly good NFL news, feels like this past week was pretty quiet. So we've had a week to recover from Tyree Kill being traded away. He's a Miami Dolphin now. We're moving past it. We're on to the next thing, which is the draft. We're going to be talking about that for the next month. But before we get into our draft coverage, we got we've got this week, the last week of March. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the calm before the storm. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of news, a lot of still more free agents to sign here coming up in the future. But for now, the free agent frenzy is kind of over, and the draft is in front of us. So we're kind of in that mid spot where we can assess the team. Before the draft, with all these picks, with the 12 picks that the Chiefs have, the most of any team in the NFL, and we'll hope that they could do something fun with them. You guys can find us on Twitter, me at Real Bird Lawyer, him at Taylor underscore Wit. We're brought to you, as always, by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, which you can find at si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs on Twitter at Arrowhead Report. The Pigskin Podcast Network at Pigskin Podnet. You can get your official Always Sunny and Cheese Kingdom merch through our friends at DabBodT, DabBodT.com, on Twitter at DabBodT. And, of course, Underdog Fantasy, our newest sponsor, Use our promo code S-U-N-N-Y. That's Sunny to get a matching deposit bonus. If you guys like best ball, if you if you like drafting, literally just download the Underdog app. Use our promo code. You know, kick ten bucks in there. You know, you'll get twenty. You can fool around in there. That that seeds you for you know the standard draft is three bucks. That gets you six drafts, and then you'll have two bucks left over for you know some of those little little goofy one dollar drafts. You're fine. It's a it's a heck of heck of a lot of fun. And it supports the podcast. So use yeah, that promo cool code, Sunny. Good show this week. Uh, you know, light show this week. We're going to keep it light for sure. Next week, it's going to be the first week of April. We will be kicking off our draft coverage, obviously leading up to the last week of April. To help us do that, we're going to have Craig Stout from the KC Sports Network to talk the draft with us. 
to promote the uh, KCSN draft guide, which releases next Wednesday. You and I have already pre-ordered our copies, but Craig will be here to help us uh, talk about that. It will be releasing next Wednesday. We will record with him on Thursday, so he'll help us break that down. We've got our news. Obviously, this week we've got remaining unsigned Chiefs free agents, including some big names that were Chiefs and are still out there on the free agent market. We'll talk about that. And there's a persistent rumor going around, Taylor, that the Chiefs, after trading away a wide receiver, find themselves in need of a wide receiver. Imagine that. Who's on our wish list? We're going to talk about that as well. But first, let's get into the... So the Chiefs have made exactly one new signing since our podcast last week. And it's an interesting one, one that I was uh, was pretty pleased to see. It was rumored for weeks, but Ronald Jones has officially signed a contract with the Chiefs. One year, $1.5 million deal with only 750000 of that guaranteed. He does have another $3.5 million available in his incentives. He will be wearing number two, which delighted you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. The, the single-digit you know, jerseys, which the Chiefs were the, the main impetus behind, are just a really different look now for the NFL. And we're kind of, you know, Juju's going to wear number nine. So um, I'm kind of excited to see some of our playmakers with those. I'm excited to see Ronald Jones on the field. And I'll tell you why. Ronald Jones is, first of all, he's, as we record this podcast in March of 2022, he's 24 years old, which is crazy. He's sort of like the Juju Smith-Schuster of running backks. (laughs) Juju somehow has played for five seasons in the NFL, and he's 25 years old, which seems impossible. Ronald Jones has played four seasons in the NFL, and he's 24. I mean, these are two of the youngest guys at their positions to be drafted really ever in the history of the NFL. Ronald Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. So despite the fact that he is a veteran, I mean, four years, he's on a second contract. He's still extremely young, and he doesn't have a whole lot of tread on the tires. 488 career rushes. Now, there's a reason for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, when you look at what Ronald Jones has done in the NFL, I think the thing that immediately stands out is the burst, because it's something we've talked about that this team has lacked from the running back position really since Kareem Hunt left. Um, In 2020, Ronald Jones had a 98-yard touchdown run. His longest run last year was 30 yards. His longest run in 2019 was 49 yards. So we've got a guy who can, when he gets the ball in his hands, take it to the house. And that's something the Chiefs have not had in the run game the last couple of years that I think will be really beneficial. I agree. I think he's a really interesting prospect, and he's a guy that, um, you know, especially for the price, the one-year, $1.5 million deal. It's free. Only, only 750000 of that's guaranteed. He's got a little bit in incentives up to $3.5 million, but he basically is a free running back. And, you know, with the uncertainty at the running back position with the Chiefs after Clyde, they really, you know, Darrell Williams is still a free agent. We'll talk about him. Jerk McKinnon still a free agent. We'll talk about him. But there's really now there was nobody behind Clyde. Um until Rojo. So he's fun and he's a guy that is kind of the exact opposite of Clyde in yes. almost every way. And we've talked about this when they brought in McKinnon and, you know, I kind of like to have a, a lightning and thunder, so to speak, like a, a, a change up, a change up a running back. And he certainly presents that compared to Clyde. Yeah. He's, he's significantly bigger than Clyde 511 208 which is really about your prototypical you know RB1 size um he obviously is faster we have to talk about 
the downsides, I guess. Um, sure. Why he was available and signing a contract despite being 24 years old, a former second round pick for you know $1.5 million with only half of that guaranteed. There really are two issues that people present with Ronald Jones. One of them I think is fairly legitimate and one I, I kind of don't really put a lot of stock in. The first one we got to talk about is pass protection. You mentioned sort of the opposite of Clyde Edwards-Lair. Clyde is actually pretty good in pass protection. Yeah, and, and really, really everybody that the Chiefs have rolled out at the running back position over the last couple of years has been pretty good in pass protection. Ronald Jones is not good in pass protection. He's he's just he's not great at it. And I understand that you know that's something that you certainly can get better at with time. He certainly has the size to be a better pass blocker than Clyde Edwards-Alaire does. He's got a lot more meat on his bones and, you know, more, more girth, but he's just not very good at pass protection. Now he also was pass blocking for Tom Brady and obviously Tom Brady, not going to be super tolerant of, you know, um, Ronald Jones blowing a block and getting Tom, you know, thrown into the dirt at his age, you know, with his brittle old bones. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. Obviously we don't want, Patrick Mahomes uh, eating a taking a dirt nap because Ronald Jones is blowing a block in pass protection. But with the Chiefs' offensive line, especially the way that they run block, I don't see it as being a huge issue. But obviously, it makes your formations a little bit more predictable when the opposing team knows that hey, your running back isn't good at pass protection. If he's in there, it's more likely that you are going to be running the ball. He's actually a pretty good receiver. He has a 76 career receptions, 571 career receiving yards in his uh, four years in the NFL. But yeah, that pass protection issue, it's legitimate. Yeah, and when you are a pass protection liability, but you're also the change of pace running back, you know, typically the Chiefs would run Clyde on the first and second down and then maybe bring Rojo in for third down. Uh, but now you're talking about like a third down receiving back that sucks at pass pro. So what they'll probably do, I would guess is instead of the third down running back, they'll give him like every, like the every third series and sure. just make him like the main running back there so that that way they can have some more traditional like running designs with him instead of just being a, a third down back. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. You know, we've talked about, Kind of the the Chiefs have to reinvent themselves on offense from scratch this year without Tyreek Hill, and he'll be part of that reinvention. How they use their running backs, how what types of you know the pass routes and the running scheme and everything like they can they can start from scratch if they want. And I'll be interested kind of to see how much they rely on a guy like Rojo. You know, I I think it's a good point. I certainly could see them using him as kind of your your every third series back, but I could also see them mixing him in on on first and second down, and you know maybe giving some drives, you know where they're using Clyde as the third down back. Obviously, sure. a better a better pass protector and probably a better receiver. Although we still have yet to see like that game <laughs> from Clyde Edwards-Helaire in two years, but but. The concept, the idea of Clyde Edwards-Alaire as, as a sort of an elite receiving back sort of still exists going back to his time at LSU. I do think, you know, he fits he fits a style for a guy that the Chiefs could mix in on first and second down, especially, as you mentioned, with the Chiefs sort of transitioning to a different offensive identity. What I like about it is, and, you know, the Chiefs aren't going to see the too high shell at the rate that they saw it last year because they don't have Tyree Kill anymore. I mean, that was a strategy that was deployed specifically to stop Tyree Kill. They still have Nicole Hardman. They have Marquez Valdez-Scaling, who obviously are both very fast as well. Um, 
But yeah, but every know, team in the NFL has fast wide receivers. Right. They they put the two high shell out for Tyreek. Right. They did, and I, I mean the Chiefs will still probably see that some. But mm-hmm. Ronald Jones is the kind of back I think that that can punish that because he's got some size. He certainly has some burst, and you know if the offensive line can open up some holes at the line of scrimmage, he's a guy that can actually get into the second level and not only run away from guys but run over guys. And yeah. Clyde Edwards-Helaire for for his positives he can't really do either of those things he can't run away from people and he can't run over people well if you think about it when the chiefs have clyde in and you're running a too high shell you know you're thinking well if they run the ball you know worst case scenario he rips off 10 or 15 yards gets the first down and and they reset the worst case was never a home run right exactly right and so you know it would have been more fun I can't, I, I can't help myself from doing this. You know, like when we were so excited when we signed Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. You know, like if we had the Ronald Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster additions to the old Tyree Kill Chiefs. Oh, Jesus, be, don't do that. I, I can't help it. I can't help it. I know. It. I can't let's, help it either. Let's talk about the other perceived downside with Ronald Jones, which is his fumbling. So, you know, the two knocks on Ronald Jones, we talked about his pass protection. That's a legitimate concern. He's not very good at it. That's going to be something that the Chiefs obviously are going to have to work on with him in camp. They'll have to put him in situations where he's not being called on to pass block quite as much. The fumbling issue, I don't see as a huge problem. I think that Bruce Arians, who announced yesterday that he was retiring from the NFL to move into a front office role. We, we I guess, can talk about that in the next news segment. It seems Tom Brady motivated. But Bruce Arians is a notorious fumble hater. And, you know, if a running back fumbles, you're 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 riding the bench. Ronald Jones in 2020 was the Bucks starter for 13 games. And he fumbled the ball two times on 192 carries and on 220 touches when you add in his receptions. Yeah. So two times on 220 touches, that's not bad ball security, no. really at all. It cost him his job, and Leonard Fournette was the main running back at the end of the season and into the playoffs, obviously into the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. I just, I think this is a case of Bruce Arians being a crotchety old man who, you know, isn't, I, I mean, we know that Andy Reid is much more tolerant of players being loose with ball security to a fault yeah, sometimes, right, to the right, point where right. it gets very frustrating for us. Yeah. But I just don't see him as being. I mean, listen, everybody's going to put the ball on the ground every once in a while. It's not like he's out there carrying the ball like LaShawn McCoy, right. you know, like who didn't really even fumble that often carrying the ball like that. I, I think know. fumbles are kind of noisy anyway. They are. I, the circumstances behind a fumble are hard to replicate. And once the ball hits the ground, obviously it's a 50 50, whether your team's even going to jump on it or not. And it just kind of feels like I don't really ever remember an NFL player that I thought. I don't want him on my team because of how often he fumbles. It's just right. not really something that, especially a skill player. Now, quarterbacks have kind of, some of them have been known to put the ball on the turf more than sure. others. But but yeah, for a running back, fumble problems for a running back, just I don't I don't really buy them. Well, and you know, it's always a trade-off, right? Because when you were, when you were talking there, I was thinking about it. The first player that came to mind when I thought of a player that fumbled the ball quite a bit was actually Jamal Charles. Sure. And Jamal fumbled the ball 29 times in his NFL career on 1,407 carries. So I haven't done the math, but I mean, you know, probably a pretty similar rate there to Ronald Jones. The thing is, when your guy is capable of hitting home runs, you live with that. And obviously, I I can still remember the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs in Mm. 2015. 
because Jamal put the ball on the ground with less than two minutes left in the game, and the Chiefs lost that game. 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was Chiefs lost that game because Jamal fumbled the ball. Now, I also remember all the times that Jamal Charles won the Chiefs games (laughs) and won a pretty bad Chiefs offense games because he was capable of taking the ball to the house. Longest carry in Jamal Charles's career, by the way, 91 yards. Saints. Ronald Jones, 98. 98. Just saying. Just saying. I like it. I think it's a good pickup. Yeah, I do too. I'm, you know, they're adding talent. That was something that when they traded away Tyreek Hill, you know, the the positives there, such as they were, were that the Chiefs got some more room on the cap and they got the draft picks. And this was just one of the, you know, the first signings of the post Tyreek Hill era that's adding talent to the Chiefs. And we're going to have to look at that kind of in totality because, if the Chiefs kept Tyreek Hill, I, I'm, I'm trying not to talk about Tyreek every show, um, but I probably will. And if the Chiefs did keep him, they really were in a bind for adding new talent, both through the draft and through free agency. There right. just really wasn't much wiggle room. And despite us loving what Tyreek brought to the offense, uh, hopefully the the wiggle room that he gave the Chiefs is going to end up paying off more than actually keeping him would. And this was one move for that. Speaking of adding talent, there has been a persistent rumor out there that continues to percolate around that the Chiefs have been attempting to acquire, discussing acquiring James Bradbury, cornerback from the New York Giants. Even today, sources say that the Chiefs and Giants are still actively discussing a potential James Bradbury trade. Brian Dable actually came out today, called it a, quote, fluid situation. James Bradbury is about to turn 29 years old. He'll be uh, 29 in August. He's a guy that did not have a great season last year, but has had uh, certainly a track record of very good play at the cornerback position. It's interesting because uh, he certainly is a player that the Giants are actively shopping and trying to get rid of. And I think the I think the fluid situation here is that the Chiefs are playing chicken with the Giants. Like it mm. really feels like the Chiefs are trying to see what they can get away with as far as giving up as little compensation back to the Giants as possible before they just outright release the guy. Yeah, the Giants are in one of the most unenviable situations of really any franchise in sports that I can think of. So they have the least amount of cap room in the NFL and a quarterback on his rookie deal and a shitty roster. So like, it's not great. Where do they go? What do they do? And so the Chiefs, I think, recognize that the Giants have to cut guys. They have to. They have to get more cap room. They have to be able to, you know, and and Bradbury is one of those candidates. And I don't think there's any incentive in the Chiefs giving the Giants anything that they want. I think they're telling them, all right, we'll, we'll trade for him. But look, you're, we're going to have to, like, swap fifth-round picks. Like, that's going to be what we're going to do to get – James Bradbury. And honestly, so the Giants have less than a million dollars. They have $738,000 in cap right now, 32nd out of 32nd teams. And they're bad. So, like, <laughs> they've got to change something. Yeah. I mean, I think the uh, the fifth round pick swap would be difficult because the Chiefs don't have a fifth round pick. Ah, there. damn but, it. But ones, but twos, threes, fours, fours, and, and sevens. sevens. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They could swap sevenths. And I certainly think the Chiefs would be willing to part with one of their several seventh-round picks in exchange for James Bradbury. Maybe a future sixth-round pick. You know, maybe maybe they swap fourth-round picks, you know, and the Giants move up a couple of spots and the Chiefs move down a couple of spots or vice versa. I just, um, 
again, the Giants don't have any leverage in this situation. What I think is interesting is that the Chiefs are the team that has been consistently linked to Bradbury. Like, it certainly feels like it is inevitable that he will eventually be a Chief. We haven't heard other teams, you know, being aggressive, coming in, trying to outbid the Chiefs, which I think, again, speaks to the bind that the Giants are in. And, you know, the Chiefs are kind of essentially trying to jump the line. You know, they may, they certainly are in position to be able to acquire him where the Giants just outright cut him. Yeah. And it sounds like there's probably mutual interest there between Bradbury and the Chiefs if he were to hit the open market. But the Chiefs have all the leverage here. If they want to bring in Bradbury and they want to skip the line and they don't want to have to bid against other teams and take the risk that he gets a, you know, a better deal from some team just, you know, printing money and then lighting it on fire like, say the Jacksonville Jaguars, (laughs) they are trying to kind of jump the line, so to speak. And it sounds like, you know, this could happen anytime, obviously with the draft coming up in about a month, it's at the end of April. That's when things really will heat up. There will be more transactions leading up to the draft, whether it be even, you know, on draft night. Um, But there is a source out there that predict the Chiefs would try and sign uh, Bradbury to a long-term extension if they acquire him. It's interesting because the Chiefs have never given a multi-year deal to a player over 28, I believe it is. Hmm. Bradbury currently is 28, but he is going to turn 29 before the season starts. So I don't know if their goal then would be to extend him into his 30s. That would be a little bit uh, out of character for Brett Veach. But even if they brought him in and were able to sign him for you know, the next two or three seasons, uh, he certainly is a guy who you would expect to be able to give you quality starting level play at the cornerback position for that frame of time. Yeah, it could be fun. Speaking of fun, the NFL decided to go out and change the overtime rules. The owners' meetings are going on this week. They voted on a rule change. They changed the rules. And the rule was just changed to say both teams get the ball in overtime. That's it. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot in the Kansas City Twitter sphere, especially, about the fact that the Chiefs got uh, quote-unquote screwed because it wasn't really screwed. But they got the short end of the stick on this in the 2018 AFC Championship game. Obviously, everyone would have loved to have seen what Patrick Mahomes would have done with the football. He was not to be denied in that second half, put up 31 points in the second half, and then would have, I mean, you know, scored with 40 seconds to go to tie the game. Anyway, they didn't get the ball. Chiefs proposed it. Everyone said, fuck you, Chiefs. We don't care. Tom Brady won that game fair and square. (laughs) Suck it. And then the Chiefs were like, fine, we'll take our medicine. No big deal. And then, of course, the Chiefs beat Josh Allen and the Bills by winning the overtime coin toss, marching right down the field, scoring. Josh Allen never gets the ball. No one talks about how the next week the Chiefs won the coin toss in overtime and right. didn't didn't give them the game. It's not like winning the coin toss automatically wins the game. There was a sample size of 12 playoff games since the rule was in place in 2010, where the of those 12, the team that won the coin toss won the game seven, 10 times and they scored on the first possession seven times. So seven out of 12 times, the other quarterback never even touched the ball or the other team, the other offense, whatever. So, you know, everybody now, they were mad that Josh Allen lost that game and they went to vote two years later and 28 people out of the 32 teams that voted switched sides and decided, okay, I guess, uh, I guess you got a point. You didn't have a point two years ago and now I've seen the light and they decided to make it happen. So, the strategy to me is interesting here, right? Because if you're winning the coin toss in overtime now and you think about your options in college football, when they, when both teams are guaranteed a possession, 
teams that win the coin toss play defense. They pick defense because what they want to know is, okay, what's the other team going to do? If, sure. if they're going to turn the ball over on their opening possession, all we need is three points. If they're going to kick a three, then we know when we get down close, if it's a hard fourth down or whatever, we can go for the tie and go for the next overtime. If they score a touchdown, then if we have fourth and 30, we're still going to go for it. We, we know, you know, at that point what we need to do to, to extend the game. So now you go from instead of winning the coin toss in the NFL being the advantage for offense, now you could see and probably should see teams win the coin toss and defer and decide to play defense to open it, which is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I um I'm curious to see kind of how it plays out. Now it is for playoffs only. Yeah. So the sort of not quite sudden death, but you know, modified sudden death where the first team scores a touchdown, the game is over, will remain the law of the land for the regular season. I do think it's funny to me that that Chiefs fans in particular, I get why they're doing it, that they sort of have this idea that like the Bills somehow sort of masterminded this whole thing and somehow you know, people are more sympathetic to Josh Allen because he lost to the Chiefs in overtime than they were when Patrick Mahomes lost to Tom Brady. There's probably a little bit of that with the Tom Brady aspect of it. Like you said, Tom Brady won fair and square. There probably is a little bit more of that. Um, I don't think that the Bills are some sort of like secret power player in the NFL. And because the because yeah, they're not the mastermind in the coil. They, they play in Buffalo, New York, right? Like they're not movers and shakers. I think what people have realized though, and this goes for both of the games the Chiefs won in overtime, which were two of the best games that we saw in the NFL this year. Both of those times, the Chiefs got the ball in overtime, won the coin toss, and scored a touchdown against the Chargers and against the Bills in the playoffs. And I think what the NFL owners realized is that, hey, it probably would have been cool if Justin Herbert and Josh Allen had gotten the ball too in those games and it probably would have made for better ratings and we probably would have put a better product on the field and we'd make more money. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. I don't think the, the bills have masterminded this whole situation, but why didn't they realize that when Patrick Mahomes didn't get the ball? Because Tom Brady, I don't know. I, I mean, and I guess, I, I, I guess when you look at both of those games that the chiefs won, it was two young stud quarterbacks. Exactly. Blow for blow. That right. Mahomes was impressive and Herbert right. was impressive and Josh Allen was impressive in the Patriots game. You know, the Patriots jumped out to a big lead, but not because of Tom Brady. And then the Chiefs came roaring back, and it was yeah, all Yeah, Tom Brady threw a game-losing interception. And right. The were gonna go to the right. No one looked at that game and thought this was a Mahomes v. Brady duel for the ages. Correct. They thought, Correct. yeah, That's Mahomes didn't get right. the ball, but, right. like, who cares? He Brady won the game. And now they thought, oh, man, we really should probably let these young, cool quarterbacks yes. get the ball forever. I, 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 that makes total sense. I think it is motivated in large part by the fact that there is, especially in the AFC, like the, the crop of quarterbacks in the AFC right now, I think that that is different from the way that the league, the position the league was in in 2018, yeah. which was, I, you know, the ghost of Tom Brady winning the coin toss and then handing the ball off like a dozen times to Sony Michelle against the worst defense in the NFL and like throwing to a wide open Julian Edelman and Gronk on third and 15 every time, because you know, Bob Sutton was a goofball. It is yeah. what it is. College basketball fans join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. 
New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers. Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any College Hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See episode summary for details. Let's talk about free agency. We're really in like, I don't know if it's the second wave or if we're technically into the third wave here, but there are quite a few Chiefs free agents that are still hovering out there. Guys that were Chiefs in 2021 that are not currently Chiefs. I'm just going to run through the list here really quick. And I just want to kind of get your thoughts on some of these guys that are still hovering out there. Obviously, the biggest name is Tyron Matthew, free safety. He's still unsigned. Anthony Hitchens, whom the Chiefs released like two months ago. I mean, yeah, we're talking about like weeks after they were eliminated from the playoffs. He still has not found a home. Melvin Ingram, their pass rusher that they acquired in trade from the Steelers, still a free agent. Mike Grimmers, right tackle. Daryl Williams, obviously the Chiefs' number two running back, and at times their starting running back last year. Ben Neiman, not a huge shock that he's still (laughs) unsigned. Kyle Long, who came out of retirement to play for the Chiefs and then didn't end up playing a single snap for the Chiefs that I can recall. Uh, no, he didn't. Since he was not able to work his way back onto the field and then was supplanted by the young studs that we drafted. Alex Okafor, defensive end. He's 31 years old and was not very effective last year. Jarek McKinnon, who's about to turn 30, but certainly showed some pop down the stretch for the Chiefs. Marcus Kemp, the wide receiver. Daniel uh, Dorian O'Daniel, outside linebacker, really a, a special teamer. Chris Lamonts, who had, uh, I believe, some legal troubles. And Armani Watts. Those are our unsigned free agents. Any surprises on that list? Sure. I mean, I do think that first, it is a bit surprising that we've gone this deep into free agency without Tyron Matthew finding a new home or coming back to the Chiefs. I think that he was a name that's basically been touted as one of the top available free agents since free agency started. And usually those guys get picked up. Now, you know, there have been some people talking about how he's waiting for the right situation and he thinks that you know he's worth more maybe than he's been offered blah 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 but um i guess that's maybe a bit of a shock other than him i'm a little surprised that the chiefs haven't gotten something done with melvin ingram yet i thought right. that the fit was good i thought that that was a guy that seemed like the both sides were were pretty you know happy with how things went in the second half of last year i just assumed kind of that that was a he was an inevitable re-signing. He still very well might be, but I'm a little surprised it took that long. Daryl Williams is good. He's he's at times better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire just when yeah. they're both healthy and, and running and doing their thing. So I'm at least surprised that, you know, like, like Damian Williams got picked up by the Falcons. And, like, there have been some kind of random – running back signings that I would have thought Daryl Williams would have made some, made some good sense for, or for the chiefs to bring when they signed Rojo, I think that kind of, you know, closed the door on Daryl Williams. I agree. And that's a little surprising to me. I thought he always stood, stepped up. Well, I mean, he was one of my favorite unsung heroes for the chiefs for sure. Uh, that's probably the only one, maybe jerk McKinnon. He popped towards the end of last year. And I thought he was trying out for an, a new job. You know, I thought he was auditioning to be someone else's, change of pace running back for the next year and and him still not having a job is probably a little surprising too. Yeah. I, I think I agree with all of that. Um, Tyron Matthew 
I think Tyron Matthews' agent has been working the uh, circuit uh, this evening. Jordan Schultz at Schultz Report on Twitter, who's kind of taken a little bit of a beating. I don't know that he's a super credible source, but he does have a, a blue check mark and over 100,000 followers. I'm pretty sure he just received this text from Tyron's uh, agent a couple hours ago and tweeted it out. It reads, numerous teams would love to sign Tyron Matthew, though execs I've spoken with this week don't feel he's in a rush. The four-time All-Pro is a great all-capital mm-hmm. player with interest from Cowboys, Colts, Saints, Broncos, mm-hmm. Eagles, Ravens, Steelers, plus Cowboys, among others. Have Jeez. also been told the Raiders and Dolphins have interest in Punny Badger. But again, I could potentially see this taking time as well. What team doesn't have interest? Oh, sure. Well, apparently the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, and it seems like the disinterest there is mutual, as they say. Uh, he also types, in an ideal world, teams like the Chargers, Broncos, and Dolphins would be thrilled to have a player like Tyron Matthew. Who wouldn't? But you also have to play, but pay great players, and all three of those teams have already been big players this offseason. Uh, Max Crosby, Max with the double X, was tweeting last week that Honey Badgers are silver and black. At the time, I sort of thought that might be the prelude to an announcement. Didn't end yeah, up like happening. Imminent, yeah. Yeah, like it's happening right now. That right. didn't end up being the case it's interesting to me and the chiefs do need tyron to sign before may i believe it's may 3rd if i'm just pulling the state out of my head there's a, a deadline that tyron needs to sign before in order for the chiefs to get a comp pick for him which the chiefs certainly would love to get I mean, yeah. I mean he will be comp eligible the chiefs will definitely get a compensation pick and a nice probably a, a pretty nice one yeah probably yeah. a third or fourth round pick yeah. depending on how much he signs for I don't think that he's deliberately waiting to screw the Chiefs out of a comp oh, pick. Can that you would imagine be... he signs the day after with the Broncos. I mean, that would be that would be par for the course. I get that the Honey Badger is a very petty individual, and I mean that as compliment, yeah. to be frank. But that seems like excessively petty, considering yes. that you're you're just screwing them out of like a third round pick. Like, do the players even know that teams are getting compensation picks for them? They probably do, Man. but I don't. I don't think they think. I about bet that. a lot of them don't. No, I'm sure that. Well, I'm sure a lot of them don't. We get players every year that don't understand that that games can tie. So, like, yeah. it would not surprise me if a lot of the players don't understand that. Isn't yeah. it crazy how different NFL players view the NFL than fans do? Yeah, in like almost every way. Right. There's like all this, you know, fans are all concerned about about the like paths to the playoffs and about rules and, and transactions and a lot of like nitty gritty, fine detail stuff, stuff that you and I are concerned with. Right. Like the the ins and outs of the NFL. And sure. it seems like now there are obviously always players. that are the exceptions to the rules. But it sure seems like when you ever try and engage an NFL player, especially an active NFL player with any of these talks. They're always just like, oh, I'm just trying to go out there and play football. Yeah. It's like, yeah, don't you care? Don't you like care about the overall like picture of, of your job and your that's like that's like at my company that I work for. Someone being like, Oh, did you see the stock price went down? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm just I'm just clocking in, man. Like, sure. You know, I don't really look at all that stuff. That's that's right. beyond me. It's like, yeah, but don't you have like some perspective, some larger perspective? That always blows my mind when I hear that. Sure. Let's talk about one final persistent rumor that has been dogging the chiefs. And that is the rumor that they are interested in adding a big name wide receiver. Now the chiefs hmm. had a big name wide receiver. His name was Tyreek Hill. He didn't want they to play here. No more. Rated him away because he didn't 
want to play for the Chiefs anymore, or at least did not want to play for the Chiefs at the money that they were offering him. Diana Rossini tweeted earlier this week that the Chiefs were trying to add a big-name wide receiver, that they were being aggressive and shopping around. And so without having any names specifically linked to the Chiefs, with the exception of DK Metcalf, who's, who's come up a couple of times, I just wanted to kind of go through the possible wide receivers that the Chiefs could be looking at. And we're going to stretch for some of these guys, the uh, limits of big name, maybe air quotes for those, but just kind of go through our wish list. And so I think to start, we have a group of wide receivers that are young, they are elite, and they are looking to get paid. These are guys that are on their rookie deals and are looking to get paid on their first contract after their rookie contract. Tyreek Hill obviously was on his second or well on his third contract, his right. second contract after his rookie contract. Right. So these guys are in a, a they're, you know, one set back in the cycle, right? Like they're they're yep. earlier in the life cycle of the wide receiver. And those guys are Debo Samuel, 49ers, AJ Brown, Titans, DK Metcalf with the Seahawks, and Terry McLaurin with the Washington Commanders. I think that's the first time I've said that on this podcast, and it feels a little little strange. So these are all second or third round picks from the 2019 draft, which means they have one year remaining on their rookie deals. 2022 is the last year for all of these guys. They are not first round picks, so they do not have the fifth year option. And they're all currently uh, not extended. So they're playing on the last year of their deal. They're basically also Cole Hartman. Yes, exactly. Right. And that's exactly what I was going to say. You may remember these wide receivers from the draft class for the Chiefs selected McCall Hartman. Now, a lot of these guys did go. Uh, Debo and A.J. Brown both went before the Chiefs selected yeah. McCall Hartman. But D.K. Metcalf and Terry McLaurin, who I think we can all agree are better players than McCall Hartman, went after. Went it after. Happens. Swing and a miss. It happens. Swing and a miss. So. Listen, these guys obviously are all great players. They are obviously all players that their teams would like to retain. But as the Chiefs just saw with Tyree Kill, the price of wide receiver is going through the roof. And not all of these teams can afford to pay all of their players. So just looking at this list, Debo, A.J. Brown, D.K., and Terry McLaurin, who would kind of be the guy that you're looking at? Well, I would rank them in order of likelihood first. Sure. And of those four, I think number one likelihood is Terry McLaurin. And okay. possibly or the reasons there are because the contract that he would demand on his new deal, while it would be um, a big contract for a wide receiver, it certainly would not be the Tyreek Hill range. It would be, you know, he's he's accomplished a little bit with Washington, but he doesn't have eye popping numbers and all pros and all kinds of, you know, he's he's a good guy. But I mean, good wide receiver, but uh, the contract would be affordable. He's in the NFC. And Washington doesn't really know what they're doing. So there's a lot there that would lead me to think that they would be open to the flipping Terry McLaurin to the Chiefs. Um, Number two there, I would say, would probably be DK. And that would be because they're in rebuild mode. They obviously just traded Russell Wilson away. They're also starting quarterback. Drew Locks are starting quarterback. So, like, they can't even really use DK, right? Right. It's like that meme of the the Ferrari under the shitty overhang. Like, it's just not. It doesn't really mesh right now with the identity of the Seahawks and plus they're the Seahawks and they run the ball and and it just kind of, they've never really deserved DK anyway. So he would be my number two. And then 
it's really tough between the between the other two, between Debo and AJ Brown, because Debo is a much better player, but AJ Brown is with an AFC team that I just can't see flipping a guy like him to the Chiefs for any reason. The Chiefs beat the Titans in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago, and I just don't see them giving the Chiefs a big time weapon that they really need on the outside, really, no matter what the trade price would be. So I would tie them for third. I don't think Debo's going anywhere with San Francisco. I think they realize that he is their offense and their guy and their do everything, hand the ball, throw the ball. He made them go last year. And until he proves otherwise, I don't, I think he's about as untradeable as a wide receiver as you'll find in the NFL. I think I agree with the order that you have those in with the possible exception of maybe flipping DK and scary Terry, just because <laughs> we've heard sure. DK's name. A lot of noise with DK, yeah. We've heard a lot of smoke. Yeah, we've seen a lot of smoke with DK's name out there. And I I, want to push back a little bit on the Debo Samuel, AJ Brown dichotomy there. I agree that both of those guys are – I agree that it is vastly more likely that DK or Terry McLaurin get moved than Debo or AJ Brown. I I just want to push back a little bit. Now, listen, Debo Samuel, no question, better than AJ Brown last year. I will say, though, I mean, if you look at the – you know, production in the first three years of their rookie deal. I mean, listen, AJ Brown's really nice. (laughs) AJ Brown is extremely good. He doesn't do the the running the ball thing that Debo was doing in the 49ers offense. Um, But man, he is incredible. And we saw it when they played the chiefs. That was, I I speak as a, as a AJ Brown dynasty owner. Mm -hmm. So frustrating to own AJ Brown this past year. And, you know, the Titans, when they just decided they were going to throw the ball to AJ Brown against the Chiefs when they played them in the season this year, unstoppable. I mean, yeah. literally, the Chiefs had absolutely no answer to him. He's a, just an absolute freak. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, when the Titans decide to throw the ball to AJ Brown, they are unstoppable. Yeah, like, correct. He's incredible. The only yeah. thing I would say is that Debo does more as far as like. He means more to the Niners than AJ Brown means to. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind a, of the, that's fair. That's fair. I think both of those teams obviously are going to bend over backwards to try and keep those guys. I do think DK is probably the most realistic option among this group for the Chiefs. I do think that the Seahawks, you know, I mean, number one, his name has come up. And, you know, that's never an accident. Like when somebody's name comes up in these conversations from official sources, that is because there is a possibility that that could happen. I haven't yeah. seen it with Terry McLaurin other than sort of speculation. I have seen it with AJ Brown. And I think that that's more, you know, contract related. All of these guys are looking to get paid and you have to obviously take the the business aspect of it, you know, into account. We just saw that, you know, that obviously is what caused the chiefs to move Tyree kill. But I do think that DK, I mean, DK would fit the chiefs offense. It would be hilarious if the chiefs went out and traded for DK Metcalf and, you know, acquired Juju and MVS and went from having a small fast team to like a huge fast team, a team that is still like one of the fastest wide receiver groups in the NFL, but also instead of them all being like five foot 10, they're all like six foot two to six foot four. You're like a monster. 220, 230 pounds. Um, Look at this Photoshop of DK. I put in our show doc. It just looks so good. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he's ridiculous. He's gigantic, and they've got him in the red fourteen jersey with uh, hair. yeah, with the red hair dye. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give me that. Yeah, it w- it would be fun. Listen, I'm against in general. I'm against the Chiefs going out and trading like a first round pick for a wide receiver. Right. The reason I'm against it is because 
I just don't think it's sustainable to be trading first round picks for good players and then paying them top of the market every year. And the Chiefs have done that now three times, or well, this would be the third time in the Brett Veach era, Patrick Mahomes era, that the Chiefs would have done it. They did it with Frank Clark. Yeah. That was a big old swing and a miss. We all regret that decision. They did it with Orlando Brown, and that certainly worked out. He was a good player last year. They now are going to have to pay him, and they it sounds like they will do that. He currently is on the franchise tag. But, I mean, listen, it, it's hard. Now, they have an extra first-round pick, so the math gets a little bit different there because let's say you just have to give up 29 or 30 to get DK. Well, you still picked up a few extra picks in surplus of what you had with Tyreek Hill um, before the trade. You've essentially swapped Tyreek Hill for DK Metcalf. You're probably mm-hmm. going to have to pay DK Metcalf Almost as much money as close, you very close, close. but yep. but yep. probably not quite as much. No. And DK is is four years younger, five years younger. So yeah, I, I like the math there. It, it doesn't thrill me to to trade away, you know, a first round pick and then pay DK twenty million dollars. But I mean, listen, I I see why the Chiefs would do it, and it would certainly greatly excite me. So and, the next category, uh, next category we have oh, here yeah. are, yep, we've got veteran players who still have. It is how I describe it. Now we've got DK Metcalf's teammate, Tyler Lockett, former K-Stater. So, you know, you got a local tie there and I've got Brandon cooks. So these are guys that are, are definitely on the downhill slope of their career, but who are still very good players. And, you know, everything we just said about DK Metcalf is applicable to Tyler Lockett. Like what do the Seahawks have to gain from keeping Tyler Lockett on their, their roster? Not much. He's not. And he, he even to a, a certain great to a greater extent than DK Metcalf doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with Drew Locke. Like at least DK is really big. So yeah. like when Drew Locke is airmailing the ball, like <laughs> DK can go, go, up and, go up and get it. Tyler Lockett's not a big guy. He's a very no. precise route runner. He worked incredibly well with Russell Wilson and his ability to throw those very precise deep balls because he's a, he's a fast and great deep ball receiver. I don't know that that makes a whole lot of sense with Drew Locke. And whereas you could certainly talk yourself into giving DK a second contract, even with an uncertain quarterback situation. Yeah. A little bit harder to talk yourself into sticking with Tyler Lockett if you could move him. Now, Brandon Cooks, similar kind of situation. I mean, Brandon Cooks has bounced around. Very productive receiver in every stop. He's now on the Davis Mills Texans, right? right? And that's a team that, you know, surprisingly feisty last year. But like they're in a full on rebuild, right? And Brandon Cooks seems like kind of unnecessary to that team. Yep. I don't know if you have a preference between either of those guys, but it seems like either of those guys would be a veteran option that the Chiefs could add where they wouldn't have to break the bank necessarily in terms of either the pick that they'd give up or the money that they'd have to pay maybe for an extension. Well, I think that's a really big appeal for both of those players and why I think their fit might even be better with then the first group of players now the first group of players are all elite and they're all game changing and that's great but they're also very costly and the chiefs while they certainly help themselves with the tyree kill trade it's not like now they can just throw a bunch of money and a bunch of picks and a bunch of you know i mean they've still got to use this stuff wisely and getting a guy like lockett or a guy like cooks i think between the two i probably prefer cooks but it's maybe slightly there's really it's almost a toss-up but getting a guy like that would still be a veteran, reliable option for Mahomes and the Chiefs. He would, they would still have to command some attention from the defense, but it's not 
you know, like you said, the cost would be to the point where the Chiefs really wouldn't have to change any long-term plans at all. They could acquire both these guys for very middling cost and be able to have, you know, an extra dynamic weapon on offense and just go. And that's really fun to me. Um, I do think Cooks kind of fits like a like a track type of team a little bit more than Lockett, and maybe that's just kind of more of a stereotype that I I don't really see Lockett as a as a burner. He's a fast or he's a deep receiver, but it almost feels like the Seahawks let him get down there like for a really long time, and then Russ would drop a bomb. Not like I was sure. ever like not like I was never like oh my god. Did you see Tyler Lockett there? Did you see how he just blew sure. by? Like it was always just like, oh, he was down there and he caught the ball and cool. And that's why Ed Cooks is a Cooks is a burner. He I know he's a little bit on the older side, but I do think that um having him out there with Juju and with MVS and Kelsey, I mean, man, you had really any one reliable weapon and Hardman. I mean, the Chiefs do have sure. a lot of weapons. I know they just traded Tyree Kill, but like they've still they're gonna have options for Mahomes, even if they don't bring in another wide receiver. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think um between the two, you know, I probably would have a slight preference for Cooks as well. Uh he is a little bit faster. Lockett way back in the day. Um, you know, 40 times don't matter a whole lot when you're talking about guys that are are okay. nearing their 30s. But sure. um Lockett did run a four four and Cooks did run a four three three, so obviously there's sure. there's a pretty significant team. pretty significant difference there. The last category that we have is what I've I've termed youth with upside. Now these are different from the first group because they haven't had elite production necessarily. They're different from the second group because unlike the second group, they're still in their early or mid twenties and they certainly have the capability to break out. Still there's three guys that I kind of flagged into this group. One is Brandon. Ayuk. He's a former first round pick who has not really done too much with the Niners. Um, he kind of flashed last year and, you know, kind of came into two years ago, I should say yeah. kind of came into last year, you know, with expectations that he might be the number one receiver in that offense. And then it was Debo, all Debo all the time. Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse and playing behind Kendrick Bourne for a while, I think, when he was a Niner, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, second guy I have in here is LaVisca Chenault, mid-round pick for the Jags a couple of years ago, who just has some crazy tape. I know like, him well. You do know him well. And then the third guy is Van Jefferson with the uh, with the Rams, a guy who he's 25, he's a burner, he's got some good size. A guy that, you know, he he's flashed, but he hasn't really stepped forward with consistent production. And the Rams, you know, they've brought back Allen Robinson. Obviously, they have Cooper Cup. They've got a deep stable of wide receivers. He may not be necessary to their wide receiver room. Well, Do you have a preference? If, especially if they decide to add OBJ again. I right. Mean, you know, if, then at that point, sure. they've got... Cup and A Rob and, and OBJ and they'll Van Jefferson will be a practice squad guy. But um yeah, I do think that it's hard for me to to look at that list and not put LaVisca Chanel first. He is famously in our Dynasty League, one of my only first round picks I've ever made, and it didn't quite work out super well for me, but he's got great tape. He's got he was a draft darling for a lot of teams. He has just some really nice physical tools and the Jags have been a disaster since the day he came in there. And it just kind of feels like he would be of that kind of cliche model of a player that just needs a fresh start somewhere, you know, that didn't really hit the ground and didn't really do a lot in Jacksonville. But if you put him with a 
better offensive mind and a better quarterback and a better, you know, receivers around him and all that stuff that he could really flourish. And I mean, he would look great in a Chiefs uniform. And I think he would, uh, I think he would give the Chiefs kind of a, a light Debo Samuel, a light Tyreek Hill, a guy that isn't their skill level, but it is their versatility. Uh, the Jags were talking about giving him some rush opportunities last year. I know because I, followed his updates <laughs> daily and they literally never did. So that was cool. But um, yeah, I think, I think he would be a really exciting player. Um, Jefferson and Ayuk are guys that if the chiefs went out and they announced that they acquired him, I'd be like, okay, like that's fun. It's not really, it it's not mind blowing, but it's certainly, they both have some juice and both would be able to uh, be fun to track. It certainly seems like LaVisca would be the least expensive of these guys to acquire as well, both because the Jags don't seem to be very high on him and went out and paid a bunch of money to Christian Kirk and to Zay Jones, of all right. people. I mean, just right. all kinds of incredibly strange players. LaVisca well, was... Yeah, right. Exactly. And LaVisca was the lowest uh, pick of all of those guys. It's interesting. If you go on Player Profiler, playerprofiler.com, which is sponsored, by our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy, promo code Sunny. If you look at player profiler, and I'm not saying that this is how LaVisca Chenault's going to turn out if the Chiefs trade for him, but you look at, they have a comparable, like a best comparable player. Oh, they who's comp, comp baby? Tell me. His comp is A.J. Brown. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I love it. Which is hilarious. I mean, like, A.J. Brown is is definitely faster than LaVisca Chenault, but like yeah. they're pretty comparable size wise and speed wise. And, you know, obviously if LaVisca Chenault turned out to be AJ Brown in disguise, that would be a tremendous coup for the chiefs. If they were mm -hmm. able to pick him up, I don't think that that's really what you're looking at. In LaVisca Chenault. I think he's more of a, you know, probably more of a slot guy and more of a gadget guy than AJ Brown, has been, but AJ Brown at home. Sure, right. He's he's definitely more of an AJ Brown at home, and you know the Chiefs already have DK Metcalf at home in Marquez Valdez Scantling. So if we could do, if we could do MVS as DK at home and Lavisca as AJ Brown at home, you know that's that's a that's a decent offense. That's going to do it for us this week, guys. We will be back with Craig Stout next week to start talking about the draft, which is a month away. Check out Underdog Fantasy. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom.